Hello. Hello. This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. Hey. hey, Matt. It's Adam. I'm uh, I'm recording this. How you doing? Pretty good. You? Good. Good. Where Where are you right now? I'm uh, at uh, Riding Mountain National Park in Manitoba. Just finished a tennis match. Oh, nice. Uh, planning on going on a bike ride to the beach. Where wow. Are you? So we. And why so, are you recording this? So we've been uh, we've been out of touch for for about uh, well the last couple of weeks. I've been covering your business while you've been away. Um, yeah, you've been I enjoying yourself. Fourteenth, and I've been yeah enjoying myself. I've uh, been avoiding the phone. Uh, haven't even really bought a newspaper, so it's been uh, <laughs> been good. Anything new? <laughs> well, the BC um, uh, um, Ministry of Finance. Uh, you're 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 clearly joking, right? They're, you're you've been obviously heard, reading I've the heard news. Something I've heard something about this. <laughs> So today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Ministry of Finance recently announced an additional property transfer tax to foreign entities in the Greater Vancouver Regional District. This tax is effective beginning August 2nd, 2016. Um, This basically means that all completions after August 2nd will be subject to the tax. And that's regardless of when the contract of purchase and sale was entered into. So it doesn't matter when the agreement was dated. As long as it completes after August second, it's uh, the tax is payable. Um, yeah, so that's that's one of the things that has has, has changed since I since wow. you were last in the town. The only thing I can think of is August second is my birthday. Uh, so happy birthday! <laughs> happy birthday! Um, so the other thing is just quickly: who does this affect? What do we mean by Greater Regional or Greater Vancouver Regional District? Um, Anmore, uh, Belcara. Uh, uh, Bowen Island, Burnaby, Coquitlam, Delta, Langley, Maple Ridge, Lions Bay, New West, North Vancouver, Pitt Meadows, um, Port Coquitlam, Port Moody, Richmond, Surrey, Vancouver, West Vancouver, and White Rock. Those are the, those are all the areas where this fifteen percent tax applies. Exactly, exactly. So um, we we basically the 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 idea of today's show is we're going to talk to Tom Davidoff, um, UBC associate professor at the Sauter School of Business and the uh, and obviously a past guest, one of our, our more popular guests. Yeah, and also also uh, past guest who, who had a plan to implement a tax of his own. So I'm curious to hear what he has to say. For sure. And we're also going to talk to a lawyer in Vancouver named Lars Kushner from Kushner Law Group and get his take on on some of the residual effects of the tax. And then we're going to talk to uh, a purchaser, an American national, who recently purchased a condo named Mac Kerman. Um, so Mac Kerman is an animator. He's from uh, 
He's from the U.S. and he's lived in Vancouver for two years. He recently just bought a condo in Mount Pleasant and found out right. very uh, recently that now he's uh, subject to the 15%. So we're going to talk to Mac and uh, get his take on, on how things are going and and uh, go from there. Well, this all sounds awesome. And I got to say, um, you keep on using we, but this is really this is really your show. I've been, uh, I'm sitting on the beach, so this sounds great. I actually haven't heard the interviews yet, but I'm really, uh, really interested. Um, cause to be honest, where I am, the, uh, the internet's even spotty. So, uh, I've been kind of trying to follow what's going on and I've been dealing with a few situations that have come out of this, obviously. But, um, yeah, this should be a, this should be a great episode. I'm, I'm really excited. Perfect. So without further ado, here's my interview with Tom Davidoff. <laughs> All right, so we're back with Solder School of Business Associate Professor Tom Davidoff. How are you doing, Tom? Very well. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Thanks for coming back. So I just wanted to, we'll just get right into it. Is, is this a success for the BC Housing Affordability Fund? You know, I'm going to call it a W. Uh, that is a win. I think, uh, you know, something had to be done for affordability in the lower mainland. Uh, I think we were on an upward swing. I don't think we were at the t- top of it even in terms of the overwhelming effect of uh, foreign money on local home prices. So something had to be done. I would have preferred, of course, what we had proposed, uh, partly out of pride, but partly because I think it was slightly better targeted. Uh, but that said, uh, this is a major intervention by the B.C. liberals uh, I think it will have impact, and uh, I think doing something was the right thing to do, and, and I'm pleased we were able to maybe move the ball forward a little bit. Okay, so obviously a lot of people are talking about how the policy was rolled out. What are, what are your thoughts on, on how they introduced the new policy? Well, you know, I heard about it Monday. You know, I was still in the mode of, gosh, I hope somebody will do something, and then all of a sudden, you know, the nuclear megaton bomb. So... <laughs> Uh, and I have a suspicion people in the industry feel the same way. You know, there's a couple of question marks I have. One is, you know, part of the story for why it was important to do something was recruiting. There's the sort of human interest component, which is if somebody grew up here, wants to stay here, they're priced out. And I think this helps with that by, of course, diminishing foreign demand and hence softening prices. But then there's the component of businesses want to hire talent from all over the world. And, of course, it's very unappealing to come here, take somebody on a realtor tour, and they see what you get for how much money. Well, I think there'll be a price impact. But now that recruit, if they're an American, Chinese, Mexican, what have you, they're going to be here on a work permit. And they're going to be hit with the 15 percent tax. Now, you know, we hire people very frequently right out of graduate school. They're willing to rent for three years. But hiring senior talent from around the world will be challenging. And so I think work permit is a good example of something that should probably be fixed. Hmm. The other question mark is uh, deals that were under contract but not yet closed and anticipated closing after August 2nd. Obviously, some of them are going to be accelerated, 
Uh, but there is a sort of equity question about somebody who signed into a binding contract, understanding taxes to be essentially, you know, very low to three percent, whatever PTT, depending on the property value. And now all of a sudden <laughs> it's up to uh, another 15 percent on top of that or 15 percent total. I'm actually not sure which way it goes. But either way, that's a dramatic increase in the tax on a huge base. And so uh, some of the buyers, of course, if they're foreign, can probably get away with walking away. Uh, others are going to be hit with fees they didn't know they were getting into. Uh, so, you know, uh, any time you impose a big change, there's going to be collateral damage. Uh, but those are a couple of things that stand out. Do you think that there was a strategic aspect to the retroactive nature of this policy? Well, you know, in some ways, the best tax is the tax that somebody can't run away from. So <laughs> people who are under contract and don't want to lose their deposit are uh, fish in a barrel. So, uh, look, there's no distortion. That's free money. Right. So, I mean, that's a bit uh, jocular, but uh, there is the element of randomness. But random taxes in some way are the best because taxes, when nobody can run away from them, are free money for the government. And uh, look, I mean, the numbers are, are really mind boggling. I believe foreign purchases are a bigger fraction than uh, even the billion out of uh, 10 billion, roughly, you know, 10 percent shown in the most recent numbers uh, because you're not counting investor immigrant. Uh, obviously, because because that would be a permanent resident, uh, and you're not counting local friends and family buying on behalf of uh, foreign uh, capital, which I suspect is a big number. But even with what we have, you know, you're looking at this tax. If behavior didn't change, a billion dollars a year. I mean, it's a huge number. Right, right. Why do you think it is that there was really no sign or indication that the BC Liberals, <clears throat> excuse me, plan to? Uh, plan to introduce such a such a policy like why do, why do you think it came so abruptly uh well i guess i could trot out two answers off the top of my head the first answer would be a flair for the dramatic because i mean <laughs> you know talk about a game changer this out of nowhere just you know like right. a blitzkrieg really really big bold move it just comes off that way and uh you know, I don't think there's any question that politically there's a lot of impact, mostly political, unless the market crashes. Uh, so there's the politics and the optics. Uh, the other is I'm not sure I would have wanted to go into a press conference. And, you know, if I read the numbers properly, between 15 and 20 percent of sales in July uh, went to foreign buyers. And to go into that press conference and say, no, we still don't want to do anything. Uh, for Minister de Jong might have been very hard to do with a straight face and leave without, uh, you know, getting really pummeled by the press. Right. So it may have been they took a look at the July numbers and said, we have to act and we have to act now. Right, right. So what are your thoughts on kind of the, on the more broader implications for the BC economy? Um, basically, we've just said that we're no longer open for business in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, uh, well, we are and we aren't. Of course, businesses that employ people who work here <laughs> right. may uh, may be happier. But look, without uh, the uh, mineral extraction, energy industries, health, uh, this is largely a real estate town. Mm -hmm. uh, real estate has been critical to the budget. Obviously, we just saw the, the big uh, budget surplus, which I think was entirely property transfer tax driven. Uh, construction jobs, remodeling, and then, you know, a lot of retail. I think a lot of people are trading up uh, cars, what have you, because of the home equity that they have available to them, either by uh, trading down or by uh, 
uh, taking out home equity loans. When I say this was a bold move by the liberals, I don't mean that like favoring Canadians over foreigners was bold. What was bold is taking a risk that you could crash uh, the real estate market, because obviously I, I don't think anybody thinks these prices make sense for locals. You need foreign demand for the current price level to make sense. And we don't know what the response by foreign buyers will be to this tax. We'll only know over time. But if they're not able to dodge the tax with friends and family and they're not willing to pay pay the 15 percent surcharge, uh, if the foreign buyer disappears, I don't know what the damage would be to prices, but it could be quite significant. Great for affordability. But, you know, I think you're right. Tough for real estate and ancillary industries. So do you have any predictions on the short term, long term in terms of housing prices? You know, Part of me wants to say, suppose you thought that Chinese buyers wanted to buy and hold, and that was really their strategy. Then in a way, a 15% tax can't lead to a price decline of more than 15% because, you know, why after the tax should housing be cheaper for the Chinese buyer than before? The problem is if you're buying with any intention to resell, then the problem is you're not spreading the 15% over a long period, it's over a short period, and that becomes very unattractive. So, you know, if I had to guess, I would say relative to a world where this tax doesn't come in in the long run, I'd say, you know, something like a 10% difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the short run, I'm so reluctant to speculate uh, but it could be anywhere from small potatoes, 5% reduction relative to what it would have been, uh, could be a 25%, 30% difference just because the market so- psychology is so critical today. Right, right. And that's what we were actually just talking before we went live here about just the, the spinoff of local buyers just being concerned about the uncertainty of everything. Well, absolutely. Look, I mean, uh, I think every day about the buy-rent decision And, you know, depending on your price point, if you live and work here, you're probably thinking you're going to get about a two and a half percent dividend yield net rent on price if you buy uh, a sort of mid-tier property in this market. That's not a great dividend today. Uh, Obviously, it's great relative to the riskless rate. It's about equal to your mortgage borrowing rate. Uh, but it's uh, a lot worse than you get in the stock market. And I would say a diversified basket of stocks is probably less risky than Vancouver housing. So to take that 2.5% yield, you have to believe prices are going to appreciate. You have to have the fear of missing out. Or else just tying up all your wealth into this low dividend yield asset doesn't make a lot of sense. So the belief that prices are going to keep growing has to be so central to this market. So what are your thoughts on how this is going to affect affordable rental housing? Do you think we'll see a big spinoff? Very, very good question. You know, suppose you'd bought a place as a flipper property. You bought it, you hope to, you know, maybe do a little bit of work, eventually sell it after prices rose. Possibly, we don't yet know that strategy could be off the table. Uh, If the foreign buyer starts to disappear, maybe you take that house, that condo, uh, you can't sell it for a gain and you start to rent it out. That's one scenario, and that makes rental more affordable. So, Tom, you've been critical about the city's owning policies in the past. Is a policy change to limit demand without considering supply the right direction, in your opinion? Uh, I think they're two different steps, and they're both challenging politically. Uh 
homeowners who are the dominant voters like high home prices and they like low density. Uh, the province took a risk uh, that, that threatens uh, home prices by really whacking the most important source of demand, I think, in the market, uh, or at least the real the engine of the market, the foreign demand. So they've hit home homeowners once. Uh, and I think they had to do that because we had a real freakish uh, demand situation. Mm -hmm. We also have a freakish supply situation, in my opinion. Uh, but they're two separate issues that would be addressed uh, with separate tools. It's interesting that the provinces talked so much about supply, and yet they held this emergency session. And to my knowledge, didn't do the thing that really would have moved the ball forward which is to uh, change municipal charters, Vancouver's and all the other jurisdictions to say, look, you cannot do zoning just for the benefit of five uh, of the, the immediate neighborhood. You've got to be thinking about the good of the province. So mm -hmm. I think that would have been a great change to charters. It would have encouraged density. Uh, but they decided, decided to go with the demand side instead, which, of course, is a tremendous change in direction. Right. So you've been a leading proponent on the vacant homes tax. Robertson has recently announced that that something will be coming. Any predictions on on the specifics or the direction that this will go? Well, let me be clear about what I've been a proponent of. You know, we wanted a tax and the city has talked about their vacancy tax in terms of sort of three classes. Either it's your primary residence and you declare it as such on your income taxes or you're a landlord who rents the place out, or it's something else. And something else could be vacant. It could be Airbnb. Uh, it could be a vacation home. I think the right way for the city to go would be to tax all of those. And that would be a really great complement to the provincial move, because then if a friend or family who already owns a house bought a second house on behalf of a, a friend or family overseas, that buyer, while they'd be getting around the provincial 15% tax, if the local guy has uh, nationality in Canada, they wouldn't get around the city's second home, vacant home, what have you tax. Unfortunately, I think Vancouver seems to be going in the direction of a vacancy tax like literally vacant, which who knows how you can define it, who knows how you can observe it. And it seems very easy to get around, for example, by air, bed and breakfasting the place a couple nights a year. So Vancouver needs to be really careful now to design their vacancy tax in a way that can be a really great complement for what the province is doing. And just a last question here. There's There's been a lot of opposition and, and um, people pushing for a reconsideration of, of the policy um, to some extent, maybe thinking that the 15% is potentially too high or the retroactive nature of the policy. What are your thoughts on, on the 15%? Is that a high enough number to, to curb foreign interest? In your opinion, you know, yeah, well, we don't know much about the sensitivity of foreign demand to tax rates. Right. I mean, there's just so few experiments. People have done it in Asia, right. but that's in the context of really strong growth markets. So what the impact will be, I, I, I'm reluctant to speculate. Fifteen percent is a huge amount of money. I mean, you know, on a five million dollar house, it's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think what I'd say is, you know, uh Worst case, if, if the tax doesn't do anything, it raises a tremendous amount of revenue. I mean, it, almost the best case is uh, buyers continue to play into the market 
housing prices are terrible, but the revenue uh, is so large that you can really uh, provide lots of benefits to people who do live and work here in the form of lower taxes, perhaps construction of affordable housing, uh, other incentives you can provide to live and work here, which becomes a lot easier when you're making a billion dollars a year. So I think 15% is a reasonable number. I I don't think we're going to see a lot of people paying the tax is my best guess just because it's so onerous. Why not go to Victoria? Why not go to Kelowna? I think those might become a lot more fashionable uh, quite quickly. But 15% to me seems reasonable. They also gave themselves wiggle room. They said if the market gets clobbered, they can go down to 10. If if, uh, everybody's paying the freight, they can go up to 20. And so I think that was good design as well. Hmm. Interesting. So we'll leave it there. Well, thank you very much for your time, Tom. And it's great to have you back on the program. Thank you so much. Okay, so I'm here with Mac Kerman. How you doing, Mac? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I, you're an American, and you're living I in Canada. Am. Yeah, um, uh, born in uh, Oregon, uh, but spent the last 10 years in uh, Los Angeles, California, working in the uh, animation industry and, and going to school for the same thing. Um I've, uh, after school, I, uh, landed a job at a pretty good studio in LA, um, Titmouse Inc. And, uh, they make a lot of the stuff for Cartoon Network's like late night programs, uh, oh. Adult Swim, although that doesn't air in Canada. So I don't know if I think it's actually it pretty, here. it's pretty popular here. I think. Yeah. Like, like Metalocalypse and Super Jail and Black Dynamite and all that fun stuff. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that studio has been real good to me and they, uh, were opening up a branch in, uh, Vancouver, Canada and asked me if I wanted to move up here to, to help get the, the studio rolling and, um, you know, help with a, a couple of the shows that they were bringing up here. And, you know, I jumped at the opportunity, uh, being from the Pacific Northwest originally, you know, there aren't that many places that you can have a career in animation. Vancouver is one of the, you know, three or four cities that you can actually support yourself in that industry. So um, I was very excited about the chance to move here um, and uh, made the move about two years ago, I think, okay. just coming up on the two-year anniversary. Um, found myself a nice little uh, basement suite to live in in the commercial drive area. Okay. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, was, was I had a two-year work permit. Wasn't quite sure if this was going to be a permanent thing or just a, a fun adventure, but Vancouver in a very short amount of time uh, won me over and I decided um, this was the place for me and started, you know, looking into permanent residency and um, trying to find a a place to put a down payment on. So when did you apply for permanent residency? Um, I'm still, it's a, it's an entire process to even get all of the um, paperwork necessary to apply for permanent residency. That takes a couple of months. Right. in and of itself. So currently I've, you know, uh, taken my, or got my fingerprints taken and sent off to the, to the FBI so they can confirm that I'm not a criminal <laughs> terrorist type. Uh, and I've sent off for transcripts to my, uh, college and high school to prove that I actually went to the, um, schools I claimed to on my, my application forms. And, right. 
um, all of that takes time. So um, the whole thing is in the works and it should be um, wrapping up around November or December. Okay. So you recently bought a condo and you bought in Mount Pleasant, the main street corridor. What prompted that decision to, to purchase a condo? Obviously you're, you're going to try and set your roots here, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seemed, it seemed like the thing to do. I had, I've been saving up a, a down payment for a while and, um, you know, up until, uh, this point, uh, I wasn't entirely sure where I wanted to settle. Um, you know, it was seeming like California. Um, but when this chance for Vancouver came along, um, you know, I was content with renting until I sort of made that mental switch in my head of like, yes, this is, this is going to be a permanent thing. I'm going to want to stay here. And with that, you know, once I knew where I was going to be for more than five years, it only seemed sense to, or it seemed to make sense to start, uh, looking for a permanent place to call my own. Right. Right. Okay. And so you're, you're renting in a basement suite. Do you mind me asking what you were paying? Uh, I, uh, it's almost embarrassing, but I'm paying 1400 a month for, uh, a one bedroom base basement suite. 1400 a month. And then I understand that, uh, there's some changes coming to the, were you, were you given notice by your landlord? Uh, no, my landlord is an interesting character. Um, she's an older lady that neither has a cell phone or an answering machine, <laughs> Um, so she can be very difficult to get a hold of when you need to. Um, I actually, um, heard from my upstairs neighbors, uh, you know, the people that live on the ground floor that, uh, our landlord along with the landlords, uh, or the owners of the houses on either side of us, um, are all getting torn down, uh, and they're going to be building townhouses there. But apparently this would have happened a while ago, except that they're caught up in some sort of um, litigation because one of the houses qualifies as a heritage home. Um, so the only reason why I didn't get kicked out sooner is because of, uh, you know, red tape. Right, right, right. Okay. So you, so you, um, so you started your search for a condo in Mount Pleasant then, uh, with your real estate agent and you, you found a place. When, when did that happen? Um, well, you know how it goes when you're looking for real estate in Vancouver. I had to get outbid a couple of times <laughs> on places before I could seriously wrap my head around how crazy things were here. Right. Um, but uh, I found I found the place that turned out to be the one on, or I signed signed the paperwork, uh, got the offer accepted on uh, July 10th uh, this month, about two two weeks ago now, I guess. Okay. And so where where were you and how did you find out about this new tax that was announced on on Monday the 15% foreign buyer tax <laughs> well, which I assume you you wouldn't be exempt from. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not uh exempt from that because the deal was still uh pending. I I got to apologize. I'm a first time home buyer so I may sure. misuse some lingo um but the 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 deal was still in the works. Um, I was only two weeks into it. It seems like an average closing time for something like this is around 60 days. Right. So I was 15 days into that. I was already, you know, I thought I was being, uh, uh, very proactive by, you know, starting getting a head start on that. Um, mainly because my, uh, mortgage broker was so pushy. Right. Um, 
you know, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have been uh, very far along in the process when, when the news broke. Um, but, uh, you know, I got the phone call, uh, in the morning on, uh, or during, uh, sort of a weekly, uh, supervisors meeting at the studio. Um, we were all talking about the progress of the show, the animated show that we're working on and, uh, getting a call from your real estate agent at 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, on a weekday, uh, two weeks after you've closed your deal is never a very comforting <laughs> sign. Um, <laughs> So I had to, um, you know, ignore the call because it was, it was my turn to give a progress report on my department at the time. And uh, he then texted me back and said, uh, or and texted, call me immediately. So I knew that uh, that couldn't be anything good. Something, <laughs> something was serious. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So, and, and basically from there you found out that you're, so, so do you mind me asking, so 15% of your purchase price, how much did that end up being? Uh, I don't know the exact number, but it was in the ballpark of about $91,000. $91,000. That would be due and payable upon completion, if I understand correctly. Uh, yes. Yes, it would. Okay. Um, and so did, did you have any sense of, did anyone give you an indication that a tax like this was coming? Um, did you have any, any inklings or were you concerned about it at all or was it? I mean, it seems like the, with the Vancouver real estate market, there's just as many rumors and half truths as, um, as you know, actual information out there. So you can, read about it all day and then sort of pick and choose what you want to believe. You know, I'd heard, right. you know, I, I remember reading about, um, the similar situation that happened in Australia where they implemented something like this. You know, I'd heard on the news, uh, the finance minister say that something like this was definitely not on the books. I think back in, back in May, he said like that recently. Um, so, uh, when it, when it arrived from, from what I could tell, it's, it seemed to, uh, dumbfound, uh, my realtor, my banker, my mortgage broker, anybody who had, uh, you know, sort of in-depth knowledge of the game seemed to be pretty sideswiped, if not by the law, then by, you know, how there was no safeties built in for people, uh, in the middle of the process. Right, right. So you are in a situation just so just so listeners understand, you're in a binding contract. You have a deposit that's in a trust account. So you're you can't get out of the contract without potentially losing your deposit. And how much was your deposit? Uh the deposit was thirty thousand um, dollars. Okay. so yeah, at the time at the time I had budgeted um the cost of my home and, and clothing costs and fees and all of that and left myself a uh, you know, a comfortable, um, you know, fallback supply in case, you know, something happens and I need to support myself for a while. Like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't flying too close to the sun on this one. I had, I had actually, you know, ended up sort of overestimating all the costs and I had more left over than I thought, but it was a far cry from the, from the $90,000 surprise, uh, tax bill that the, that the government was saying I owed. Right, I'm sure. So, would okay. So, if you had actually known about the tax, would you have still been looking for real estate, or how would that have shaped your decision? Uh, well, it wouldn't have changed my desire to move to BC. Um, okay. that's that. 
that's not going to change. Um, it would have uh, caused me to uh, postpone my search by a couple of months while I waited for the last bit of uh, PR paperwork to go through and to, to get that to happen. You know, uh, I would have grumbled about it because I was, you know, anxious to to get rolling on this. You know, it's exciting when you're looking for your first house and also you just want to get it over with. But, um, you know, if it was a matter of just me having to wait till, till my PR came through, no sweat. But um, if I've got like one foot in and one foot out and then they tell me that I owe all this, that's not doesn't seem kosher if you ask me yeah no no doubt for sure um so now you're in a position where if i understand correctly you had a completion date which was later after august 2nd and you've been frantically trying to move that date up um beforehand yeah originally uh this was set to close at the leisurely pace of uh 60 days uh or, or thereabouts, maybe it was more like 45. Um, but August 17th was the original closing date. And uh, if I had stuck to that, I'd be um, $90,000 poorer, I suppose. <laughs> right. um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I think from the time that we, uh, uh, we as in, you know, me and my, my team of, my crack team of realtors, mortgage brokers, and bankers <laughs> uh, sort of realized uh, what needed to be done. It was like, all right, we have 72 hours to do what usually takes or you know, paperwork that usually takes about two weeks to complete. Um, and nobody could really say how realistic of an outlook that was. Um, right. Everybody was going to do their best. So just to, to check in, uh, I know you had some meetings today and you've been, I'm sure you're taking time off work trying to make this happen. What, what, how's it looking? What, you know, what's going to happen well, here? I did, I did just have a meeting, uh, with my lawyer this morning. Um, and he was able to present me with, um, what to my understanding is the, uh, final, uh, paperwork that I'll have to sign to, uh, complete the mortgage. Um, you know, I signed, signed in blood and, and chanted the dark rituals and now RBC <laughs> owns my soul for the next 30 years. Um, but it's still, uh, we're still, you know, um, the seller, uh, is scheduled to meet, uh, with, with his notary, um, to sign paperwork on his end. So I can't say that the I can't say that the deed is done yet. It's not entirely closed, but everything is on schedule. So barring um, some sort of disaster, uh, then everything should be okay. But uh, it's not the first time that I've said that. Uh, you know, it seemed like everything was okay up until last Monday, and then this curveball got thrown. So I'm not, I'm not going to say anything to jinx it, and I'm not going to count a single chicken before it's hatched. Right, right. I don't blame you. So... Um you know, maybe pulling back a bit, you know, you're a millennial, you're a first time home buyer. Um, you know, you're not, you're not the, the typical person that, that people think of when they think about a, a foreign buyer in our marketplace. Um, now, now maybe just shed light at, do you agree with this policy? Do you agree with the spirit of this policy? How do you, how do you feel about this, this foreign buyer tax? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm definitely uh, agreeing that um, something needed to be done. Like, 
I think people know based on my situation, I'm a, I'm a first time home buyer. I'm, I'm, you know, relatively, uh, newly moved to Vancouver. I've only been here two years. I don't quite understand all the, the minutia of the housing market quite yet, but I do agree that, that something needs to be done. Um, and, uh, you know, this law, if that's what the, the government deemed is necessary, then, then, um, you know, I'm supporting that they're taking action, but just the, the way that it introduced, uh, seemed, um, poorly thought out, uh, and poorly executed. And then it, then it's caught a lot of people, uh, they cast a wide net and caught a lot of people that, um, were the ones that they claimed they were trying to protect when it would have been, you know, with a, a couple of very simple changes, they could have, they could have avoided, uh, ruining a lot of lives of people that didn't deserve it. Has this changed your perspective on the province and Canada in general? Uh, I mean, it definitely does. Uh, I've heard people complain about, um, you know, Christy Clark and say all these bad things about her. And, and, um, you know, I'm from America, so I'm used to a very polarized, uh, political parties. Um, and I never really gave much credence to that. It's like, Oh, Canadians are so nice. I'm sure like even their politicians have to be of a better, <laughs> better stripe. But then, um, you know, I, I believe you uh, found me through a radio interview that I did with CBC. Yep. Um, when that, when that story played, or maybe it was the, it might have been the the TV one. But right after that, they they cut to footage of of Christy Clark saying that she was not going to uh, do anything to change the law and and that she was standing her ground. And and it sounded very much like uh, political posturing when she really had a chance to to step up and be a hero and and save. Uh, I think it was like two thousand three hundred people are caught in this net. I read somewhere, and wow. she could have saved. She could have been a hero to so many people uh so easily and it seems like um maybe that wasn't like on message enough Mm -hmm. this is sounding this is sounding pretty harsh but you know it got my it got my blood worked up pretty pretty fiercely um when uh you know it's very easy to see all of the all of the people that are hurting really badly from this and it seems like it's just being completely ignored by the by people who who have it within their power to, to, to save all of these people. Right. Right. Well, Hey, listen, uh, we really appreciate you coming on and telling your story and, um, we're, we're, we've got our fingers crossed for Friday and, uh, we're really hoping that this comes together for you. Uh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> I bet. Been, this has been a week. I didn't expect much this Monday morning when I woke up to go to work, but, uh, this has been this has been one for the record books, man. I bet, I bet. Well, uh, well, come Friday, it will hopefully work itself out, and and life will get back to normal. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for the uh, the good thoughts, and and um, you know, I'm not the only one. So, so good thoughts to everybody else that's out there in the same position. Okay, so I'm here with lawyer Lars Kushner from Kushner Law Group. How are you doing, Lars? I'm doing well today, Adam. Great, great. Thanks for joining us. Um, I just had a quick, a couple quick questions. Obviously, this is um, a hot topic right now, this 15% foreign buyer tax. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts? So a lot of people have been 
um, there's this example floating around about the potential domino effect of transactions. So, for example, you have the family that sold their house on, or the couple maybe that sold their house on the west side for three and a half million dollars to a foreign buyer, and they've already purchased something else, possibly a, a townhome or a condo, and they're downsizing. And now there's the potential that the foreign national might not be completing because of this tax which creates a series of events where maybe they don't have the funds to complete on their next purchase. And those people that they're purchasing from have bought something and it, it goes on and on and on. And there's this theory that there's going to be this domino effect. Now, is there any, where's the liability here? Is there, is there liability on the province? Are these people, is there the potential to even legally take a class action lawsuit against the province what's what's your opinion no there's there's no liability on the province because the province isn't a party to any of these agreements right you can only sue someone that's a party to an agreement it's a doctrine of contract law called privity the province isn't a party you can't sue the province because you don't like the taxes it's like any purchase that occurred prior to the GST coming in or the PST or the HST, just because the government introduces a tax that increases the cost of your purchase doesn't give you a right to sue them. Now, in terms of the example that you've given, the first thing you need to do is look at the contract. You have your seller family who has sold their house on the west side and bought a townhouse. If the deal to buy the townhouse was contingent upon them selling their west side property, Obviously, they'd have an ability to back out because that sale has gone through. In all likelihood, though, we know it wasn't contingent because of the nature of the the heated market. So unfortunately for that West Side family, I think they're going to get sued on their townhouse for backing out. And they're going to have to go and then sue their foreign national. And they're going to have to try and recover anything beyond the deposit by chasing down money in a different country, which, which is makes a difficult it challenge- proposition. Right, which makes it a lot more challenging from my understanding. Oh, definitely. It's, it's much more challenging. But with that said, you know, it's like any Canadian company that does business with a foreign company. There's always a risk when you're dealing with a foreign entity and trying to collect. Is there anything that you can think of in, in the legislation or um, from a legal perspective where there needs to be a transition period with, with introducing new taxes Well, normally, new taxes are introduced the day the legislation is passed. So although this isn't comforting to anyone in the real estate industry, you've got a period now. You've been given a week's notice. That's more (laughs) notice than most taxes are usually given, Right. which is causing a problem, I understand, with everyone trying to rush their deals forward. Right. And, And this is, and I'm sure you're seeing this right now as well, but from my understanding, it's very difficult to get it to get a notary um, right now who can actually work and, and and push a file forward just because they're they're swamped from the. I mean, we've got we've got one working day, not including today, left in the month. Right, we're going into a long weekend. A lot of people are away. A lot of people are planning on taking tomorrow off. And frankly, there's a lot there's a lot of liability in taking something you need to turn over and get registered in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's a huge appetite for that. Okay. So what about the the okay, so obviously there's a lot of people concerned about the fact that there's all these binding firm and binding contracts that have been written over the past few years. Many people that have bought pre-sales and even in recent months, people that are maybe waiting on permanent residency 
um, and they've purchased a property here, and now they're they're retroactively being told that they're going to have to come up with fifteen percent upon completion. Um, is, is there is there something to be said about this retroactive aspect of the tax? And I I think this is where we're going to disagree on whether it's a retroactive tax or not. I don't think it's a retroactive tax because. As you know, obviously, the contract doesn't complete until the date of completion, which is a long time after the original sort of deal is made and the terms of the deal are made. Mm -hmm. But you don't complete. Your contract doesn't complete until that completion date. This tax doesn't apply to deals that completed in the last six months or the last 10 months or the last 12 months. This only applies to deals that are completing after August the 2nd. So I don't necessarily think it's retroactive. With that said, you know, I understand the concern of these people that have entered into an agreement. But the example that I would give would be if you were going to purchase a car. Let's say you wanted to purchase a car here in the city of Vancouver. Maybe you put down $1,000 for the new Tesla that's coming out. It's very exciting, right? Right. And the city of Vancouver, and I don't want to give city council any ideas here, <laughs> in their endless quest to reduce the number of cars on the road, has decided to – implement a 25% tax on the sale of new vehicles. Well, if you agreed to purchase your Tesla for, I don't know, $50,000 plus applicable taxes, you're now on the hook for a new applicable tax. It's just like if the GST had gone up 1% or 2% or the PSD had gone up 1% or 2%, you're responsible for that. It's not the vendor that's responsible for that. Now, if you had agreed to purchase this car for $50,000 all in, then it would be the vendor that would have to bear the brunt of this tax change. Right, right. Okay. Um, so now just to kind of pull back. So in, in looking at this situation, being a lawyer in Vancouver, what would be maybe the first steps that people could take if they're finding themselves in a precarious position right now, um, either with a purchaser buying their home or having entered into a contract um, and now they're in a situation where they can't complete. Well, I think you need to take a look at the terms of your agreement and see if there is any way you can complete. I mean, that's the key, right? Is you don't want to indicate to someone that you're not going to perform a contract because that gives them a, an immediate actionable right. Okay, so re maybe reviewing the contract then is, is the first step. Reviewing the contract is definitely the first step. Speaking with your agent, speaking with your lender is a good example. I, there are people that are going to need to come up with an extra 15%. There's no, there's no way around that. Okay. And so, Lars, how can people reach you? They can reach me through my website at kushnerlaw.ca or on the phone at 604-629-0432. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Adam. So there you have it, folks. Adam's discussions with Tom Davidoff, Matt Kerman, and Lars Kushner, all in regards to the uh, new and surprising 15% tax on foreign uh, purchases here in the Lower Mainland. Right. Um, that was some great stuff. And I, I think our, our goal here is to kind of educate people and try and get a well-rounded um, perspective of the tax. We invited the province um, onto the show, a representative from the province, and uh, 
we didn't uh, we were basically told that they were trying to get someone but uh, they weren't able to meet our deadline um, we are planning on having someone from the province come on so once we actually do get a date um, we're hoping to have another episode soon where we maybe try and uh, uh, get some more information um, more onto the particulars because a lot of people had questions on Facebook and our social media that were quite specific about the actual yeah. how this is how it, how the tax is going to be implemented, and I, I think they're excellent questions. So that's going to be coming up in a future episode. But yeah, you know, I think I can't wait to get somebody from the province on. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so there you have it, Matt. How can people reach you? Uh, I'll be back in, in Vancouver soon, and you can definitely give me a call whenever. Uh, out, out of touch, but not that out of touch, 778-847-2854, or at matt at scalinarealestate.com. And uh, Adam, how can people reach you? You can try me on my cell at 778-866-4574, or adam at com. And we also have that uh, nonpartisan line. Info at com. Last thing, please keep the comments coming. We love reading your comments on uh, iTunes. Uh, join our Facebook page if you haven't already. We're always discussing ongoing trends and issues in the marketplace as well as uh, brainstorming ideas for future episodes. And we'd love to have uh, your input. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just a last thought. It's funny. We started this podcast and, and some people are saying, well, won't you run out of things to talk about? But... Uh, Vancouver real estate, the gift that keeps on giving here. Uh, we're we're going to be, we're um, undoubtedly we're going to be talking about this fifteen percent tax for for a while, and uh, and uh, see exactly what the impact is. So it's uh, exciting times. Stay tuned. Take care, guys. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.